Welcome to Above Par. I'm your host, Kathy Hartwood. I show you how to take more of your talent to the golf course without practicing harder, taking more lessons, or buying new equipment. I show you how to end the frustration of underperforming so you can start playing to your potential. This is where you are going to learn how to think above par so you can play below par. Let's get to it. Hello, my golf friends. It's nice to have you back and listening. I hope you're staying warm wherever you are. It's February. Maybe you're starting to think about your golf season. If you're up in the Northeast, I had some friends come down this weekend, some students and clients who came down this weekend to work on their golf game, get ready for the season up in New Jersey. And we worked quite a few hours over the weekend working on all of that. It was really fun to see them. They let me yell at them, which I love to do. (laughs) You wouldn't think, I don't yell at people. I just talk very bluntly. I call them out on their BS. I don't sugarcoat things. And um, I mean, because they're from New Jersey, they like that. I don't know. But so we have a lot of fun doing that. And I've helped them with their mental approach to a couple tournaments. They both won club championships this past year. So that was fun. They give me a lot of credit for helping them in an SOS call before the final match. But they did all the work and they had some of the legwork. They had done the workshop. They know the foundations. I don't have just SOS calls for anybody. You really need to understand the way that I think about how you're going to manage your mind on the golf course so that we're talking the same language. And then, of course, I'll have those one-off SOS calls before a match or a tournament to help someone get through. And that was a lot of fun that both of them pulled off club championships this summer. Super fun. So we were able to celebrate that as well. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about coaching today, like what it is. And I wanted to find what I do. Like I differentiate myself from mental game. I coach more than mental game because how you do things off the golf course influences how you show up on the golf course. You have one brain. You do not have a golf-specific brain. The better you are at managing your thoughts, thinking intentionally, being aware of the things that are holding you back, understanding how to coach yourself is what empowers you on the golf course. And it also improves every other area of your life because you have one brain. So sometimes I will have someone who will come to me and they want to address why they have these fears. They might have anxiety on the golf course. And they also have anxiety and fears off the golf course. It's not just one area. We rarely do we have something that just gets isolated to 18 holes on grass when we're out there playing for four hours, we have a tendency to do those same things off the golf course. So the way that I coach things and what I focus on is more than mental game. It's bigger than that. It's really about managing your mind, creating results on purpose for yourself, and knowing how to do that in any area of your life. And the way that you know how to do that is I teach a simple formula on how to do that. And then you just start pulling apart the thoughts that you haven't noticed. You know, we don't notice most of the thoughts that we have. We have like 50 to 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, depending on who counted. (laughs) I don't know who had that job, right? But we only hear like 5,000 of them. The other ones are behind the scenes. We don't hear them and they can run the show. And we know that happens when we keep producing the same results over and over again. We can't change it because we are just habits. The results that we have in our life are the result of our habitual actions. And those habitual actions come from our habitual emotions and our habitual thoughts. But when we never stop and pause and look at it because we don't know the skill of doing it or we don't even know that that's available to us or that's a thing that our thoughts create our emotions, it's like, what? Now it's time to start looking at all of it. 
But I also make the comment that you can't read the label from inside a bottle. So it helps to have someone like me or a coach help you see what you're thinking. I can hear when people say things to me about thoughts that are holding them back. So for instance, my friends who were down taking lessons, and I was trying to get one of the students to slow down her swing. She was trying to create speed from the wrong body part. This happens. This is a this is another example of how we get a thought that we get stuck on because we think it's so often we believe that the way for us, for instance, to generate speed is let's say just turn our hips faster. This is a big hot thing going on right now. Right? Drive our legs and turn our hips faster. Swing super hard and super fast. And while of course the result is that we would love club head speed. How we go about producing it is a whole nother thing. Most of you listening to this probably do not create club head speed the right way, the accurate way, the most effortless way, right? We can have powerless effort and effortless power, right? You're probably not going about creating speed in an effortless way. And this was the case for her. So I was asking her to slow down so that we could create speed, you know, trying to create club head speed in a different way and then add her effort back to that. To me, it's like, driving with a flat tire and going 90 miles an hour. If your mechanics aren't in point and you just swing harder, it's a train wreck or a car wreck, right? It's just not going to work. You can't add speed to something that's broken. You want to get those pieces put together the right way and then add speed to it. But anyway, so she made the comment, I just can't slow down. I can't stop myself. And she stated it like it was a fact, like it was the new, like, of course she can. It's out of her control. That is a perfect example of a thought that we just believe, we don't question. And if we don't question it, she's never going to be able to slow her swing down or be able to even hit like a soft pitch shot. If you can't slow your swing down, you can't hit a soft pitch shot. A little bit off topic, like a lot of people who can't take partial swings or swing slower really struggle in the short game. There's there's the ones out there, they only use their sand wedge around the green because they can't take a slower swing. Like if I gave them an eight iron to chip with, they'd have a heart attack and they sail it over the green because they can't slow their swing down or be delicate enough to hit a little chip shot. But some of this comes from us telling ourselves that I can't slow down. It's out of my control. And of course she can slow down. She just doesn't in allow, isn't allowing herself to do it. She's making it so much difficult because of that thought right there was awesome. On the, the next day, we really had a nice breakthrough. She was able to slow down and got created so much more distance with less effort. But of course, she had to think about things differently, that it was possible that she could actually slow her swing down and maybe go at it differently, right? Maybe not prioritize things that she thought were important and start shifting and looking towards something different. This is the way that I help people. I help you find the thoughts that are holding you back. They're keeping you from playing the way that you want to play from you being able to take all of your talent out onto the golf course. I play quite a bit golf with my dad's wife. She shoots around 100. (laughs) She goes out there and while she might get frustrated if she's having a bad day, she really doesn't care. She doesn't practice. She doesn't take lessons. She like every once in a while, if things are going really south, I give her some pointers and help her out. She's out there to socialize and have a good time. Of course, she is not a candidate to work on her mental game because the game doesn't mean that much to her from that standpoint. She's playing the game for a totally different reason. She just wants to go out there and have fun and clearly have birdie shots because we both birdied (laughs) our ninth hole, which was routine off 10, which was 18. And there was a birdie shot waiting for me when we hit uh, the 10th hole. (laughs) 
I was like, it's like 1045 in the morning. Are we supposed to have fireball and rum chata? <laughs> I cannot play golf drinking. I I drink, but I cannot play golf and drink. I, I'm relaxed as it is when I'm playing golf. And a lot of people, I'm going to have a whole podcast on drinking and golf, but a lot of people drink on the golf course to relax because they're tight and they're anxious. They play better after they've had a beer or two because their muscles can move and they start playing better. Maybe they start caring a little bit less. For me, if I have any drinks on the golf course, I could chunk a putt. <laughs> That's my line. I could literally could chunk a putt. I get so relaxed right there. It's not pretty. So I played with my friends a lot when I was in New Jersey and they would drink the like the whole time. I would have to wait till like 14 or 15 before I would like have my first drink. <laughs> I figured I could muster my way into the 18th hole before I'd start getting a little loosey-goosey. I start swaying and yeah, <laughs> it's not pretty. But anyway, I'm going to have a whole podcast on drinking and golf because it's interesting to understand why we do it. It's called buffering too. You know, just making sure that you're drinking for the right reasons, I guess. But anyway, so her whole point is that she just wants to go out there and have a bunch of birdie shots. Of course, I birdied three holes in a row after that. And I was like, I cannot do three shots. I don't know how you play golf and have fireball on every birdie. And uh, of course, she told me, she goes, a lot of times with her friends, they don't make birdies. So they start doing it if two people par a hole <laughs> at the same time, they use it as an excuse to have a shot. So my point is, is that some people this is not important to. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's likely a little bit more important to you. And why do we care? is because everything that we do or don't do is driven by how we feel. All we want to do is feel better. We feel crappy or frustrated or down on ourselves because of the game of golf. And we look for and strive to play better so that we can feel better. We go out and practice and try and perfect our swing so that we don't have those moments where we beat the heck out of ourselves and we're disappointed or we're frustrated. Or we end up creating a fear of failing or a fear of being disappointed. And we want relief from that. We don't like that feeling. We like to play golf. We like what golf provides for us. We like when we play golf well, but we don't like the way that we treat ourselves and the way that we feel when we don't play so well. We don't like that we know that we can do what we can do. And when we go out on the golf course, we can't do it. And we know we're in our own way. And a lot of the times why we're in our own way is because of our thoughts and our ability to manage our emotions. We think often that if I can just hit it better, then I won't have negative thoughts and I won't have negative emotions. And what I want to share with you, it doesn't work that way. You're always going to have days where you don't play very well. And if that's the case, then that means those days that you're always going to feel crappy and you're going to feel out of control. You want to first be able to think intentionally process the emotions as they come up. Try and make as many swings as you can from either calm, certain, or confident. Add them up at the end and understand that the game that we're playing is 50-50, meaning we're going to have some good days and we're going to have some bad days. And we have to accept that. But when our results mean a lot about how we treat ourselves and how we think about ourselves, that's where I come in. That's where I help a lot of people. And it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70 or if you're a scratch golfer or you shoot 100. I help everybody in that whole bracket because we all want to feel better. And if golf is a major part of your life, if your life revolves around the game, if you live at a country club or you hang out at a country club or a golf course all the time, and if you play in tournaments and you want to perform better and you want to feel better about your results, you don't want to worry about what other people are thinking 
you don't want to experience all the fear and anxiety, then it's worth looking into. It's worth diving into that area of it so that you can enjoy that experience, your golf game. And because golf is such a big part of your life, your life as well. Because one of the things I say is your golf game can show up in your life and your life can show up in your golf game. It's not just about a one-off call. I remember I had a tournament that I was trying to qualify for. It meant so much for me. This is before I started coaching. I've been playing golf my whole life, right? So I have a lot of these experiences or stories I could tell. I wanted to qualify so badly that I was extremely stressed out. I was over-practicing. I was so tense when I was practicing. I started hitting it worse and worse and worse. And of course, I started freaking out. And I got hooked up with a sports psychologist and I had one of these one-off kind of SOS phone calls. And I was so desperate to get some relief from that anxiety and the desperation I had about the event that I had the next day, the qualifier that I had the next day. He was very gracious with his time and he talked to me for an hour. I don't know what the heck he was talking about. (laughs) I had no context of it. I'm sure he had so much good content, but because it was a one-off call and because I was so desperate listening to that phone call for just any kind of help, anything to give me some relief. I wanted to understand everything he was saying. I wanted it to be a magic pill just to solve all of the emotions that I was experiencing so that I could show up the next day and qualify. And I didn't get any of it. I didn't understand it. I still, to this day, don't understand what the heck he was talking about. And like I mentioned, it probably needed a series of calls to understand what his gist was. But one-off calls or things like that aren't effective and don't give people the results because our thinking is habitual. We have thoughts and beliefs, just like I mentioned, that we hold onto so tightly that it takes time for us to let go of them. It takes time for us to start believing new thoughts. When I work with people, I like to work on a weekly basis because between the time of one call and the next call, all those crappy thoughts start to come back in and we start to believe them again. If I have a call every other week, I have two weeks where all these crappy thoughts come in and we start believing them again. When I coach people, I want the consistency of breaking down those mental habits over a series of weeks. I teach people the formula for how to manage their mind, how to practice it on and off the golf course so that you can break the habits of the thoughts and the emotions that are holding you back. I teach people how to manage their emotions, what to do with all the emotions so that we don't have fears of them. I mean, if you think about it, really, a fear serves us if it was a tiger or a snake or a dark alley. A fear of an emotion does not serve us. Once we're willing to be disappointed or to feel like we failed or to be rejected or embarrassed, then we don't fear it anymore, right? So I show people how to do that. That can't happen in a one-off call. I recently had a phone call with a woman, and this may have spurred why I did this podcast. You know, I have the best podcast ideas at like three to four o'clock in the morning. And I actually can go through a whole podcast. I think if I could figure out how to record myself, (laughs) I get a microphone in my room and then I wake up. You guys ever have this happen? You wake up and you're like, what was it? It was so crystal clear in the middle of the night. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, yeah, I can only remember like 25% of it. I had like three amazing podcasts came to my head last night. (laughs) But anyway, I think this is what spurred this podcast is because I had a conversation with a woman who is really suffering and struggling because of anxiety around the game of golf. And that anxiety is coming because what she's choosing to think and what she's making the game mean. But of course, golf is a big component of her life and she wants to feel happier. She wants to have some relief. She wants to have joy again around the game. And one of her comments was to me was, I think I'm too old to change and I just think it's impossible for me. And this is your brain 
throwing up ways that it's just not going to work, telling you that, you know, it's a bad idea. You can't do it. And we believe them. And when we believe them, we get stuck staying right where we are. I pointed this out to her. That is just her brain offering it up. What if it was possible? I totally don't believe that you're too old. If your thought is that I'm too old to change, then you, you're going to stay exactly where you are, creating the same results you are. I promise you, anybody can change. Your brain is just a series of habits. You just got to start changing the habits, but you got to notice the thoughts that are those habits that are creating your emotions and your actions and your results. And they're all changeable. And then she said to me, she was, you make it sound so easy. And it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes work. It takes effort because you're breaking a habit, just like breaking any other habit. But this is the simplicity of your brain. All it knows is what you repeat the most. So start repeating something that you want to create in your life in your head, even if you don't believe it right now, even if you can just believe it a little bit. If you start with just maybe it's possible, instead of saying it's impossible, maybe it's possible that I can play golf and enjoy it again and not be anxious and not have fear on the golf course and enjoy the game so much more and manage my thoughts and my emotions and feel like I'm in control so that I can take my talent out on the golf course, feel proud of the results that I'm creating, enjoy my time while I'm out there. Maybe it's possible. And if you can believe that even a little bit, it feels better than the feeling of sadness that she told me she had when she said it's impossible for her. This is what coaching is about. It's about pulling apart those thoughts that are holding you back, keeping you unhappy with the game, especially if it's a big part of your life. Not like my dad's wife, who just, she just needs a couple shots <laughs> and good company to have a good time. And that's awesome. There's so many people who play the game because of that. I love that. You know, I get a lot of comments on some of my posts. They're like, I don't care that much about golf. Why are people anxious or angry or frustrated? It's just a game. But that person is probably like a lot like my dad's wife. He just goes out there and has a good time, hits the beverage cart up, doesn't really care so much about your, their results. But if your golf matters to you and it's a big part of your life and it's affecting your quality of life and how you feel and how you treat yourself, if you're frustrated with the results you're producing, then it's worth spending some time focusing not only on the mental game, but the bigger part of your mental game on how you manage your thoughts and your emotions. I've said this before, you're going to notice either how you feel or you're going to notice your thoughts. You're going to notice a negative thought like it's impossible for me. I can't change. I'm too old. It's too hard. I'm an idiot. I suck. All those things, your brain will offer them up and you will believe them and you will keep feeling crappy and keep producing negative results unless you decide to shift it, unless you pause and stop and ask yourself whether it's true and whether you're willing to go through the effort to change. And it doesn't matter what your handicap is or what you shoot. It matters about how you feel and how big of a deal golf is in your life, whether it's worth putting in the time to it. I coach a lot of people who are high handicaps because golf plays such a big role in their life. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can always change as long as you find a thought that serves you and you repeat it and you stay persistent and consistent. All right, my friends, do not give up. Do not listen to the crappy thoughts your brain is serving you. You can play golf and enjoy it. You can play golf at a level that you never thought possible. You just got to get out of your own way. 
If I can help you and you're interested in learning more, it just takes jumping on a phone call and you can head to kathyheartwood.com to find the link. And in the meantime, have a beautiful week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.